You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. If they lose this game, I think it's one of those cases where you had such high goals at the beginning of the year, and now you're one and two. Would not shock me to see them completely spin out of control and finish seven and five or eight and four. I think they, they he could potentially lose his team if they lose this game to Ohio State. It's fair to say uh, the leadership, you know, isn't isn't close to what it was a year ago, and that's on me. We're not playing well as a team. We didn't stop the run worth of shit the other day, so. There ain't nobody, you know what I mean? We got to get a whole lot better in a lot of ways. It ain't just the DBs or the corners. or that, That's not how we look at it. We, have, we are not playing well as a group. Talent is there. Uh, offensively, defensively, on, all sides of, on both sides of the ball, the talent is there. It's really just about us executing and basically doing what we were capable of doing. And that's, you know, that's my fault. That, you know, we don't have a guy that we can play big. We needed to play big the other day, and we didn't. And that's not that's not their fault. That's you know our fault. You know, no one's getting down. Everyone's still believing, and that's that's what we got to basically go on right now. You know, we we lost two games, and uh, all we can do is basically bounce back. You know, that that I think that's been the biggest thing. I think everyone's kind of bought bought in, and everyone's working even harder. It's the unofficial forty with your hosts. Soonerscoop.com publishers Gary Murdoch and Josh McQuistian. Danny Stradovich. All right, welcome everybody. It is time for another unofficial 40. Is uh, seems like it's been quite some time uh, since we have been back in here. Eddie, what are you showing me? Josh can't hear us. Oh, he can now. Oh. I don't know what happened there. I heard no intro. It was a good one. The, here's the thing. Okay, podcast started. Off to a rough start, kind of like <laughs> OU. No, we're off to a better start than OU. Uh, here's what's going to happen. The intro, I'm going to redo it anyway. So the magic of uh, post-production. Because it. I'm trying to like... Here's the thing. Like If you can see my screen, I have three things up at once. You have to switch between two things to both play music and files. And it just... it become, I haven't mastered it yet. Not to mention all the knobs and the buttons... Josh can't hear me. Um, but anyway, welcome back. It is the unofficial 40. I was thinking about this the other day. Like, until we actually, like, sell some sponsorships, should we just, like, promote a charity at the beginning of the podcast? Tell people, like, I don't know, into, like, lab rescues or like, I don't know. something like that? I've always been anti-charity. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Starting off with the fire. I think that's a great idea, Carrie. And I, th and I think it's okay. I think it also, Eddie hating it also is okay. I think we can do both. I think we should start a charity to get Joe to practice on time. That's what I think. I don't know if that's possible. A clock charity? Yeah, like an alarm, special alarm. Joe got to practice yesterday when it ended yesterday. <laughs> well, I got well the, done. I got there at what are they, 5.50, and that's when they're supposed to bring people out. And I know I need to get there earlier, but I was uh, doing some work around the house and finished up the I got in Norman work. at 4.45 yesterday. Well, See, I got, Eddie's I got, model employee, I got Joe. The, I got there at like 5.15 
last week or was that two weeks ago? And I walked into that, you know, the old cafeteria where we meet them and I was by myself and I realized quickly I'd done something wrong, I guess, because 5.30, 5.45 started to roll around and nobody was coming in and I think I snuck in earlier than I should it's have. It's not rocket science. Just Joe, say the yes only thing I'll say on. is when Carrie can give you punctuality grief, there's probably oh, something. Oh, yeah. Is. Wait a second. I, I think somebody in this room showed up to the Bob Stoops <laughs> presser after it had started with like mud tracks all over the back of his T-shirt. Yeah, that's called it's called when you wake up <laughs> at 430 in the morning and you go do an entirely different job and then you rush home to do Bob Stoops teleconference for the board. And then you got to jump in the shower and get over there. I'm not taking any crap from anybody. I work my ass off. I work. This is what is happening. You work here? what? I work my <laughs> ass off. What? Are we going to do the feats of strength next? Are we we're fight? doing the airing of grievances. Wow. Okay. Payday's coming up soon. Um, we're getting into. A, a bad situation just in the inner office politics now. I guess this team is ripping us all apart because we had a chance to talk to uh, now the offense of the defense. We're recording this on a Thursday and uh, had a chance to talk to Lincoln Riley, uh, to Mike Stoops, Baker Mayfield. I, you know, my favorite guy to talk to yesterday was actually Stephen Parker. And, you know, we have this deal going on. You guys were at the press conference. Uh, Bob is now limiting media, uh, limiting who can talk to the media because of what we talked about last week, the Austin Kendall stuff, shooting his mouth off. The post-Austin Kendall world that we live in. Which Josh seemed to have some problems with the questions like, I don't know, Josh, was your biggest question, uh, why are you punishing us? Or your I, biggest problem? Yeah, I, I didn't understand. Like, I, I get from a... I, I don't even get it. I, I was going to say I get it from a media perspective. Bob's not doing that to punish anybody. Like, I don't like it. It's not good for us. It's not good for our business. But it doesn't change that, like, I can understand where he's coming from and not like it. But at the same time, recognize that it's not a punishment of us. It's him trying to keep everything in line and keep everything as he feels like it should be and put guys that he knows are going to say nothing. And that, like I said... That sucks for us, but his job is not to accommodate us. That's not the world he lives in. So this, like, it, it just felt like such a sob story. It's like, why are you punishing us? Like, wh what? Like, what? I, I, well, I, I thought Bob took that way better than he could have. Like, I, I wouldn't have blamed him at all if he would have just been, like, like, thrown the mic and walked out. I think the main thing is, and Eddie could talk to this, I mean, when you're on the beat, um, you're, you're getting... You just want someone that you can talk to, and sometimes you want to be able to tell different stories, especially during a bye week. It'd be great to talk to A.D. Miller, you know, about the catches he came through with against Ohio State and kind of what that means for his development going forward. Uh, it'd be great to talk to Emmanuel Beal, you know, after kind of it seems like he and Tay Evans are starting to now, in the middle of games, compete for that job at linebacker. Um but those are things you can't do, and, and I'll just say, I mean, it's bullshit. It's bullshit that, you know, that OU caused this that's, and that's that the, the media problem. pays. That's the problem is it wasn't, it wasn't somebody on the beat that released this. No, it, it's not it one was, of us. It was OU, and not only did they release it, they had 48 hours. They sat on this, on the video, didn't look at it, and then let it go public. 
That's and somebody. It's already, it's already a group of people that get more access than we do just because they're the university, which yeah. that's going to happen. I'm, I'm, I am fine. I've come to terms. I, I'm not going to sit on the board bitching anymore about, uh, you know, lack of access because people get so mad at me. And, and I realize you don't care. You, you, if you're reading or listening, you don't care about what we're going through in terms of trying to bring you more information. Now, you. You demand it, regardless of whether we have access. You want your scrimmage report, even though we can't be out there, which is bullshit. I mean, I'm just the cusser today. I, that's fine. Mike Stoops has awesome. inspired me. So, you know, I, it, yeah, you get sick of it, but I kind of raise my hands, and I don't feel like I'm being punished, Josh, so I agree with you a little bit. Uh, but it's crap. I mean, it's just it's crap. We didn't cause this thing uh, yet. It's affecting yeah. us and our ability to, you know, really do. I don't think it's affecting our job to do a good job because we got to roll with the punches. I've always, I've been an internet guy my entire life. I've always rolled with the punches. I have no problem with that. Don't misunderstand. Like it's not me. Like I don't have a problem with the sentiment. It was the way it was presented. Like as if this, like Bob's choice had nothing to do with the media. It, it, it wasn't a. Well, the media screwed me here. It was a dumb, you know, uh, like I, what did Lincoln Riley call him? A young, uh, immature, or young something freshman. He liked his said, confidence. He said, "Yeah, yeah." Like I mean, it, it wasn't that. Like it, 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 like I said, my problem with the was the presentation, not the sentiment. Because don't get me wrong, guys, I love reading when you guys can tell a unique angle or uh, write some story that maybe not everybody has talked about ad nauseum. So it's nice to read that stuff. But at the same time, like Bob's choice had nothing to do with punishment of the media or having any beef. But here's the with thing, anybody, Josh. He here's the thing. Here's the thing. Bob Stoops has to operate. He has to coach a football team, and he has to do all the recruiting. He has to do all the media. He has to manage all of this stuff. He failed at media last week. I mean, you could argue he'd been failing at recruiting for a while, and they're doing better there now. Uh, he failed on the football field. He failed to get his team ready. It, it's just one of those things. It's like. I don't know. I, I just it's part of your job at every college across the country. Every coach, I'm not doing the oh he makes six million dollars he should be you know able to do this or that. That's just part of his job. And and too often Bob over the years has just he's done this so it doesn't surprise me. I knew it was going to happen as soon yeah. as oh, you yeah. heard the comments come out because he's done. I mean Travis Lewis after they lost to Texas Tech on that night where they had the rain delay, he shot his mouth off. And then we only had four players the rest of the year. Until you know that was 2011 when they when they started the season number one and had a disappointing season, right? I mean that was when they lost to Tech that year, yeah. right? Yeah, it it, it well, seems like this happens once every three four years. Somebody they they go out embarrass themselves, embarrass the alumni, and then they <laughs> embarrass Eddie Radosovich. Well, it was embarrassing. We'll get into that. Uh, but then he comes back, he, he lays a, a hammer down, and then all of a sudden we're sitting there with nobody to interview on Monday and Tuesday. And Tuesday, Here's how it worked out yesterday. Like Joe, you know, he was late, but there were supposed to be more people coming. Like yesterday uh, we talked to Mike Stoops. We talked to, they brought Jordan Evans in, and they brought in Stephen Parker. They were supposed to bring Charles Walker and Ahmad Thomas. But we were sitting there waiting, and, the, and then Mike Hout came in. He said, sorry, guys. Like, he was really sorry. He said, yeah. I have to apologize, but Charles Walker got scratched from the list. That was what he said. I guess Bob said, no, he's not interviewing. And then they couldn't ever – I guess Ahmad Thomas escaped uh, custody, and nobody could find him. <laughs> he had daddy now, duty. So we got, we got 
two, what, three, no, two interviews with players and one coach yesterday. Correct. Couldn't they give you guys some more, like, position coaches? Is that come up Oh, God, no. Bob cut that off. Like, he just announced one day, like, you can't talk to... You can't talk to assistants assistants. at at the University of Oklahoma. We only get coordinators. Well, I mean, no, and and I know that, but, like, I thought maybe with this ruling... Do they think of the assistance as the same as a uh, as a young player? Like I don't, I don't, I never understood that. Was there some something that led to that that I missed? Bob hates it. It's just like Saban, he wants to control the message. He wants, he only wants so many people speaking. Because let's face it, he's already got his hands full with Mike saying stuff that he really wouldn't say. Like you know, stuff like I guess I should just go ahead and play it. Since I've already been the cusser today, let's bring in our other cusser, Mike Stoops. You know, there's nobody, you know what I mean? It's, we're not playing well as a team. We didn't stop the run worth of shit the other day, so there ain't nobody, you know what I mean? We got to get a whole lot better in a lot of ways. It ain't just the DBs or the corners. or that, That's not how we look at it. We are, we are not playing well as a group. We're not getting enough turnovers. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things we could do better. You know, we, we didn't stop the run. We were out of our gaps. Shouldn't have been able to run the ball like that on us, but, you know, they did. So, you know, there's there's a lot of areas we need to improve on. You know, so media sucked yesterday, except for the fact that Mike Stoops dropped an S-bomb, which was, was awesome. Yeah, that was like, you can, we'll trade three player interviews <laughs> for every cuss word that Mike Stoops says. Yeah. Because it's awesome. If Bob wants, Bob has never publicly cussed that I can ever remember. Yeah, I can't ever remember a time that he did. Uh, that would... Maybe maybe if they start one and four, he'll just start cussing all the time. Well, the thing is, what could it hurt? I mean, he he said it himself that the Austin Kendall quote didn't affect his play at all, that his team's play at all. I mean, cussing's not going to affect his team's play at all. He's not going to get mad at Mike for saying shit. So uh, I don't understand why he's going to drop the hammer on all these guys talking if it doesn't matter. If it doesn't matter, and if, if Mike can cuss, if, if all this stuff doesn't matter, then why is he... Why is this where he's putting his foot down? Why is this where the guy whose program just started one and two, this is where he's drawn the line? It just seems like a weird, arbitrary place for him to start being angry. Well, I think he's been angry for the last three weeks, really, since the season started. But what I mean, what, what, what drastic changes have really been made? I mean, there's nothing that, that seems to be the continuing to do a lot of the same things on the field, but then the, the start changes come off the field. That's the way it's worked for the last 19 years or 18 the, years. I don't, I don't see how that changes the results on the field. That's, that's all I'm saying. Well, it, look, I want to get back into the team stuff, uh, but Josh, let's, let's hit on some recruiting. Uh, and obviously a huge weekend. Uh, I know a lot of people talking about Marvin Wilson and you know how this affected him. But overall, Josh, just the, the weekend – Getting to talk to some guys, what's been the overall feel from guys that were on campus? I think for me, it'd be surprising. Like I, I, I really kind of went into Sunday morning when I started making phone calls, expecting to hear guys, oh, you know, it was this or it was that, but, and they'd talk about the game. The only time the game came up is if I had to ask about it. Like I, I, there was, that's not true. There was a couple of guys that would say something exactly along those lines. Yeah, it was a pretty cool visit. I had a good time. But the game, they kind of got dominated or the game, they, you know, w- w- along those lines, that came up a couple of times. But for the most part, you know, especially, you know, you start with the commitments. Those guys all seemed locked in. 
the one guy that we kept hearing stuff about was Jalen Rager, and he he was the most unanimous of all of them and was like, I'm 100% sooner. Like, he didn't leave anything to question or doubt. He, he seemed really tied into it. And that was, you know, like I said, that was pretty unanimous for the commitments. The uncommitted guys, like you said, Marvin and Jeff Akuda. I said it last week, if OU lost that game, I didn't see any way they got Akuda. I haven't heard anything to change my take on that. Uh, with Marvin, I don't think the visit went as well as, as he had hoped it would. And I, I don't know that that was just about the game. I don't really know what kind of changed there, but it just didn't feel like the visit hit all the spots he was hoping. I certainly don't think OU's out, but I think they, they've got some ground to make up now. But to the positive stuff, uh, Jakir Daly seemed to love the visit from people I've talked to. They, they feel very good about where Oklahoma is. Um, Adrian Ely, I, I always felt like that was a guy that was a, a heavy OU lean, and I still think that's the case. I'm actually going to go see him tomorrow night and ask him some questions, talk with him afterward, so we'll know more then. But I think Oklahoma's in a great spot. And finally, the one that surprises me is Greg Rogers, the uh, defensive tackle from Las Vegas. People I've talked to told me he was blown away by his visit. He loved his time at OU, and I think um, – You've always kind of been expecting it to be USC or UCLA. With what's happening at USC, I think that's opening a door for Oklahoma, and they may be starting to walk through it. Apparently it was the Wonder Boy that did it. The uh, Captain Crunch covered corn dog at uh, At Diamond Diamond Dogs. Dogs. He was tweeting about that. I saw you said something about that on Twitter. That, That not only does that sound disgusting... But people uh, say it's awesome. Is it? Yeah. Oh, God. Preach, Eddie. That sounds awful. Diamond Dogs, though, I will. Uh, I will give them a shout out, though. Good food, real good food. I like it. <laughs> uh, like I didn't oversell it. Just good food. Now, well, Joe, it's, I it's know. Great food. Joe, I know. Did, did you had a chance at all to to catch up with uh, any of the guys that you were tracking? Yeah, I think the most interesting thing was uh, Texas commit Kobe Boyce uh, coming on the visit and. Uh, from talking to him, it sounds like the trip couldn't have gone any better. Uh, he came in. Uh, he, he left still a Texas commit. Um, but I think Oklahoma's put themselves in a position where um, they could might get they could get a flip there down the road. Uh, I think he really loved his visit at OU. He hung out with a lot of uh, Sooner Squad 17 guys, Robert Barnes, Jalen Rager, uh, Rambo, Trey Brown, Tyrese Robinson. They all kind of hung around him, gave him a great pitch about how they can come in. And obviously there's playing time. That seemed to be a common theme that Oklahoma really hit hard um, the message of, hey, look, there's places for you to come in and play, which is, I think Josh has talked about this before. Even if you lose, there's opportunity, if you're a good salesman, to make a pitch. I mean, the, the, the recruiting isn't over once you lose. There's still things you can say, and it sounds like Oklahoma did a good job of that with Boyce. The, the, I, I think the question for both of you, too, that talked to guys after the recruiting trips was, you know, you, you talk to these guys and you talk to Jalen Rager and guys that, that say that they're still in, say that, they're, say that they're still committed. And I think a question from the board would be, can, how, how do you read through what they're saying? Can you get a feel for if the guy's just telling you what you want to hear or if he really does mean that he's still intact and, and going to uh, move forward and stay with the Sooner Squad 17? I'll let Josh give a longer answer since he's been doing this forever. But to me, all I can really go off of is what they've talked to me about before. And if I can feel like a difference in how they're talking to me and a change in that, that's kind of what I go off of. Josh probably has a much better answer. Well, to me, I, I think something that's always interesting, and I, it's why I like to ask them about stuff like the game, if they come out and they're like, yeah, that didn't go well, blah, 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 
then you know it, it that doesn't really answer the answer the point you're trying to make. But if you get a guy that's like, well, you know, a play here, a play there, you know, they they talk like they're a part of the team. You know, they're they're defending their guys, their you know their teammates, whatever you want to say. That to me usually is a kind of a clear indication of where they're you know what they're thinking. And you got that from several guys this week, you know, where they were kind of saying, oh, you know, oh, you just they couldn't get lined up right. They were making some mental mistakes, you know, like and it didn't feel like a indictment of OU. It was just, hey, you know, if they'll clean those things up, OU is going to be fine. You know, and that's kind of the way they were looking at it as to where you got some guys that were like, man, they just got blasted. You know, well, uh, okay, you know, and it's not it's not that either are untrue. It's just, you know, and it's the same for the people that are listening to us. They may think some of the same things we say, but we're going to say them more directly because we're not fans. We're not here to kind of skew it to a crimson-colored lens. We're just going to talk about what we see, and recruits are the same way. The guys who are on board or you know, kind of think that's the direction they're going, they'll usually come up with a defense, while guys that are you know more on the fence are going to find ways to you know, kind of, I guess not going to find ways. They're just going to be more distant from the message. You know what's interesting is in what's different. There's a lot of things that are different about recruiting than when Josh and I were first starting. You know, back in the 2000s, um, you could get you could get kids on the phone then easy. Yeah. You could call and they'd pick up and you talk to them and do a story. Uh, now you know you you'd spend more time I'm sure DMing kids than you do talking to them directly, and that's why we go out to so many games, see kids in person. Uh, it gives you an opportunity to know them. But, you know, Josh, you might think this is kind of interesting, and I didn't think about it until you just started talking about it, but when we have our rivals camps, you know, a lot of these kids go to them. Most of the kids in the Sooner Squad 17 class uh, were at one of those. You know, we make a big deal, like, to tell these kids, hey, let us tell your story, you know. Uh, this is a camp. You got all this cool stuff. All we really want out of this is just to just to talk to you, just to know you, just to be able to tell your story when it comes to who you're going to sign with in college. And I think it helps us out a lot because kids realize, oh, well, there's guys doing this for OU, there's guys doing this for Texas Tech, for Texas, uh, and they're really just interested in whether I'm going to go to college at the school they cover, not so much are they, you know, we're not fans, we're not... We're not out there talking to them like, oh, you really should go to OU. I mean, mm-hmm. because this will, you know, they don't have this or this and they really need you. And so when I think there's a lot of people out there that are trying to be recruiting reporters and that's what they do. They feel like they have to suck up to kids. And so that's when you call get, everybody great. Yeah. That's when you you get into a position where that kid's like, well, this guy wants to hear things a certain way. So mm-hmm. I better tell it to him that way. That makes yeah. sense. I've said it before, like literally almost every conversation I've had in about 15 years of doing this, the first time I talk to a kid, I'll go over with them. Look, man, I don't care where you go. I don't, I'm not going to tell you like, and I get kids every day. Well, what do you think about this school? What do you think about that school? Man, I'm not getting into it. Like that, that's, that's not my place. And I think that's the difference that you see with some guy, you know, like, like you said, Carrie, I mean, if a guy believes that I want him to go to Oklahoma or want him to go to Texas or wherever, they're going to be more inclined to answer in a certain and specific way. If they realize that it, it doesn't matter to me, man, I just want to know what's going on with you. If you'll, if you tell me you hate OU and never want to step foot within, you know, Oklahoma state lines ever again, 
cool. I, that, that's your story, man. That, that's fine with me. So I, I think that's, and that is, that's why we work so hard at this and people don't, you know, people want us to be fans sometimes. I, I get people on Twitter all the time like, oh, tell him this, you know. I'll never do that. I'll joke about it, but I'm never going to do it because it, it means a lot to me that these guys can trust me that I'm not going to put their stories out in a specific light that makes OU look good or presents things to be, that are just not true. And you know what? It allows you and allows us, if things do start going bad, we're not like wishful thinking like it's not going on, like you know something's not up. If something's up, we want to report something's up. We want to be accurate in in portraying what's happening with this kid's recruitment. It's not it's not the default, oh, it's nothing to worry about. While, you know, it, it, on the other hand, the kid's probably on campus somewhere else. Yeah, when it actually is. Visit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, two or three, I mean, guys, there's two or three guys every year, and you guys know it because you hear me talk about it, that I literally just burn out on because I get so many questions like, is OU really in on this guy? No. No, they're not. They're, I don't care. If he came for a visit, I mean, John Houston's the one that everybody loves to talk about. <laughs> and it's a perfect example. Like, OU was never, ever going to get John Houston. Like, that was never going to happen. But there were people like, I don't know. Keep an eye on No, no, I'm not pushing that agenda. That's bull, and it's not right. And, you know, the kid did what everybody in the world knew he was going to do. He stayed in the Pac-12. So it's just, like I said, people, it's one of those things where I, I certainly understand when people are like, Oh, that you know, you're you're spinning the the thing. This is a negative weekend. It wasn't. Like everybody I talked to, with a few exceptions, was pretty positive about the way things went. Now, could it have gone better? Absolutely. There's no question. They could have won. Just because yeah. things they weren't as sucked. bad as they could have been, they could have been worse. Yeah. Uh, no. I mean, when you get beat 45 to 24 on your home field, I'll say one thing that probably helped them, which was. And, and people were, like, arguing with me about it, and I didn't think there was any question that fans stayed later in that game than they had any right to. I mean, like, I'm saying I wouldn't have blamed one single fan for leaving that game in th before the third quarter was over. But people stayed. It was And people were like, oh, look at the seats in the South End. So, yeah, those are the club people. They're up drinking beer, probably watching other games that are more interesting because they paid $10,000 to have those seats and they're sure as hell not going to sit through this. You when they got the same beer. crap I do. There's always people kind of around the program that say, "Oh, the fans leave so early, and the the students are usually gone by halftime." Like, I don't care. There's no way. If anybody brought their A game last weekend, it was the it was the fans. Like, and I know we bag on fans a lot sometimes on here. Well, but not a lot. They they did their part. They did what they needed to do, and it didn't trend. You know. The, the field was the problem, not the uh, stands. I think it's always funny, too, that the people that bitch and complain about people leaving the stands are usually complaining from their from living home. room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nut up one. and buy a ticket if you want to bitch about it. <laughs> All right, there's Eddie's. Did uh, Eddie just turn red? Yeah, he really got upset there. I need a punching bag in here. It's going to get ugly. Uh, okay, so anything else that we... I mean, here's the thing, like, Okay, Marvin Wilson. I want to talk about him real quick. Uh, do we just wait and find out that OU will probably start putting out offers if it really has gone south with him? I kind of think so. Like I, I expect Oklahoma to take a look at a couple other guys. Uh, because it, I, uh, you know, I mean, to be honest, let me just throw this out there real quick. And I'm no, sorry no, to interrupt you. 
The, the, the problem I had with the whole thing in the first place was, was it Krabby's article? Did he write that article? Yeah, about, yeah. But, look, he has great sources. He does. Uh, I just, I, I hated that everybody jumped off of a ledge because a rival coach said, OU's out of it. Like, well, sure, a rival coach is going to say, oh, yeah, and they may be, but come on, a rival coach... I mean, if if it's a if it's a high school coach in Texas, I think that has a little bit more substance behind it. But you know, well, what's a if, rival coach going to say? Yeah, they're they're still in it. It's a real good chance too, <laughs> because it's not just about Marvin. Like if if that coach comes out and says, yeah, you know, maybe it didn't go the way you wanted it to, but they've still got a chance. Well, then all these other guys that want to play with Marvin are suddenly still as interested, more interested, however you want to term that, in Oklahoma. That gives Oklahoma some bounce even after a tough weekend. If that guy comes out and says it, and even if one out of those ten recruits I'm talking about take that report seriously, well, that's one guy OU has a tougher job landing now because he thinks he's not going to get to play with Marvin and he knows Marvin's a great player. So that, that all comes into it. I think there are some interesting circumstances around Marvin's visit this weekend. Uh, he actually didn't play in his game last Friday night. Uh, ha- had kind of an injury. I, I think he's going to end up missing a few weeks. I think there was some, um, for Marvin's part, I think he's a little down about that. And I think there is some, um, uh, that, that may have carried into the weekend. That may have carried into the visit, and it may not have helped Oklahoma's cause anyway. So, I, like I said, I think everybody's overreacting a little bit. I don't think Oklahoma's out. I think that's silly. He's got a really good relationship with Calvin Thibodeau. But at the same time, there's no question that Oklahoma didn't help themselves last weekend. They, they really – we talked about it in the scoop. We talked about it in the podcast last week. I thought Oklahoma had a chance to be his number one school. If they put on a big show last weekend, won that game, and kind of got themselves back on track toward the playoff. Now, that's all off the table. We know that. But – I do think Oklahoma has a puncher's chance in this. They really do, because if you look at the two other schools that I've been talking about for a while, Texas and Florida State, yep. you think he's excited about what they did on the field last weekend? Oh, Texas God, looked no, worse yeah. than OU defensively. Florida, State, Florida State, State got run out, out of everyone. The state. Yeah. By the way, uh, side note, sidebar, Josh, I think I know what the story is, but give me the worst official visit night out after the game story that you remember. Oh, I mean, there have been people that have been, like, left. Who who was it that was left a couple years ago? It was several years ago. It was like, ago. I, mean, I was just walking like around the years switcher ago center. About now. I mean... I, I talked to Daryl Simpson last year who said he got left at, a, I think it was the... I can't remember which game it was, but he got left at a game and ended up going to Kendall's by himself. And but did, didn't somebody get left at like Paul's Valley one time to that place they were going when somebody got shot eventually out there? Oh, yeah. Um, hmm. I was going to go with the guy that got punched at the fraternity party a long time ago, like not long after I oh, was I forgot school. about that one. Yeah, yeah that was there was that too. whole deal. And I can't remember who that was now off the top of my head, but there have been several... Uh, <laughs> less than stellar visits. And, you know, it's funny because you'll get some guys that are real honest about it, and then some guys are like, oh, yeah, it just didn't go real good. You know, yeah. like you can tell in their voice, like, there's a story you're not getting that that was bad. But, yeah, the the Pulse Valley thing, and I can't remember what that was, but there was something like that. But I it, it couldn't have been Pulse Valley, though, because, I mean, you It was know, like Purcell or something like 
It was, yeah. You were like, why the hell are you going? Or uh-huh. Davis or something. Like, somebody got, like, sh- like hit in the leg with a bullet ricochet or something, and they, they actually missed some time. I wish I could remember who the hell that was. That was just it wasn't down on Clint Lindsay, Ingram, wasn't was it? it? I thought that was just down on, the like, East Lindsay. No, are it you? was somewhere in a small town in Oklahoma. Did you say Keenan Clayton? No, I said uh, Mark Ing- Mark Clayton. Or uh, uh, Clint Ingram. Clint Ingram. That could be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For like, uh, for some reason, Clayton sounded. But no, I think you're right. Ingram sounds more correct. I just saw him in Houston too. I wish I would have remembered that story then. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, I would go with the the guy that got decked at the fraternity. But like, it ended up being a whole kind of brawl. It, if wasn't I remember it an right. offensive lineman too? Yeah, yeah. It was somebody because you were like, he didn't hit him back. Like you, you were kind of thinking like. That dude should have done some work. Maybe he didn't need to be recruited anyway. So he wants to grab some guy's girlfriend's ass or something. <laughs> like in Superbad? Maybe yeah. maybe it was a test. They were seeing how tough he was. Like, I don't know about this guy. Yeah, what? that's send a walk on to punch him at a bar and see what he does. Yeah, that's a great recruit. Because look, fraternities want great recruits. I mean, they're gonna show him a good time if they can, but yeah, it's I mean, you would have to be a monumental douche for someone to punch you. Hey, quick question here: How many of you guys have been punched in the face? Never, never. See, it shouldn't be that hard not to get punched in the face. If you're getting, I've taken plenty of baseballs right in the head though, and bats. I have so many scars the, on the top of my head. I I've mean, I've ne- been the emergency room literally six or seven times. See, I've never even done that. Head injuries. I've never, I've never really been in a fight. The only fight that I've been in, I kicked a guy in the head while he was down. God. <laughs> 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 Was this in New Orleans? <laughs> no, it was in uh, Brixton Square in Oklahoma City. Well, yeah. That Why was he down? Was, uh, he got in a fight with some of my buddies, and, and you kicked they him. beat him up, and he was down. And I was like, all right, yeah, I'll kick him. Kicked him and this then ran. Gonna, <laughs> it's going to sound better than it is. I've been in a couple of fights, but I've never been hit in the head. Like That doesn't ah. mean like I'm a bad guy or anything like that i like grew up fighting with my brother i have been hit in the head by the way i had a brother that was 13 months older than me um and that just comes with the territory when we when we got into fights i didn't want to hit him in the head like i thought that was over the line like we'd punch each other as hard as we could in the chest or you know the nuts or whatever but i but he would he didn't care he was a bastard he would hit (laughs) me in the head should that should be off limits I've seen a few rib boxing matches. I think that's okay if you go in the stay in the torso. Now I did do we did uh, we did what we called neophyte boxing when I was in high school, and I've boxed before. Uh, like it, growing up, going to like boys club, we'd put on the gloves and go at it. Yeah, we've done that. Um, I did the Hulk gloves, before. but we did this thing where we'd go. The neophytes were the guys that were joining the Letterman's Club for the first time, so you'd have neophyte boxing and you'd put. You know, we'd come up with the matchups like this guy's gonna fight that guy. Sounds like, like hazing. Like if it, yeah, it was. It really was. It was high school hazing. But you know, if you had a, a wrestler that was your ninety-eight pounder, you'd put him up against a cross-country guy, and you know that was a little bit taller that had some reach. What a slap in the face to the ninety-eight pounder wrestler that has to fight a cross-country guy. Well, but he's he can get in there because yeah. of the long arms. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Of course, the cross-country guys never would show up after that. So. Probably tells you everything. The you wrestlers need to know about were the only guys. Yeah, the wrestlers were the only guys that would show up. I wouldn't take <laughs> the a, football players. I wouldn't take a ninety-eight pound wrestler right now. That's one of the reasons I don't like getting into fights. Is you don't know who you're going up against, and wrestlers know what they're doing. They'll yeah. put you on the ground in two seconds. I would beat the shit out of a ninety-eight pound wrestler <laughs> right now. 
like a high school kid. Oh, definitely we'll a high schooler. Get you a high school kid to fight. <laughs> Can we get I'd that per- done? I'd prefer a middle schooler, but if I have to do a high schooler, <sighs> I want to uh, watch our that. next <laughs> podcast has to be a live yes, podcast please. of Eddie brawling a night. If, if we can, if we can figure it out and and do it from the uh, Hefner B wrestling tournament where I am uh, one and two, you know what I'm talking about, Josh? <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. It's like the JV of the JV wrestling tournaments. Mm-hmm. That well, see, I mean, and. Let's see what what is the smallest in high school? Is it one nineteen, oh, or is there even one below that? I or honestly, one nineteen's like, old. Like that was what it was when I was in school. I think when I was in school, I, it was like one hundred eight was the lowest. See, I think yeah. there's like it's right around a hundred. Uh, yeah, I want to say there was like a one hundred eight or something, but like almost half the teams had to forfeit it because there wasn't anybody small enough to do it. Those guys are scrappy. All right, um, I don't know how we get the podcast back on track after that discussion. <laughs> It doesn't uh, matter. Eddie's gonna fight a 120 pound high school kid. Oh, I got a uh, I got a good segue. Speaking of su- speaking of a team that had no fight in them this weekend, <laughs> Carrie. Ba-dum. I don't have my hands on the buttons and stuff. <laughs> there we go. Uh, yes, uh, the Sooners did not play well, and it's brought up a lot of questions. And I don't know how would you guys describe the board. The Crimson Corner. The I mean, last four days, I feel like days. it. I feel like it is the final. It's like they were standing. They've been in a ten ring or a ten ten round boxing match, and this was the final blow. It's just like reality has hit. A lot hit. of people have been knocked out. Yeah, what? and reality has hit. And you know, I think for the most part, I almost felt like Bob was the same way after the game Saturday night. Yeah. It's, it's a very Mike even more so. Yeah, it's a it's it's a very defeating, a very eye opening loss in that. You got dominated. If, if you want to be where Ohio State is, they're very far off from that right and now. And I got to admit, I think the seed, I, there's no doubt the seeds for this discontent right now were planted after the Clemson loss last year because everybody started talking about, oh, well, you know, it's obvious OU just isn't as physical or as, you know, as strong as, as, as the better teams in the country. And that was kind of one of those things you could kind of dismiss and be like, yeah, but they didn't have Charles Walker and, you know, this and this and that. But when it came down to it, you play another premier team in Ohio State, and you can't tackle on defense. Uh, you you get sacked for 13 yards on the three-yard line. I mean, it looked a lot like the same problems that they had against Clemson. Yeah, what's the stage of grief after denial? There's five stages. Whatever that one is is what it felt like. Anger, I- denial, acceptance. Yeah, somewhere between denial and accept- or It's anger and acceptance put together, and the, the denial is completely gone now. I was talking. I was going to say apathy. Like, they just, like, you compare this to five or six years ago when OU would lose a game, that it's not the same. Like, it feels like expected or something. I don't know. Joe, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'll let no, you go. Good. But a- apathy is what came to my mind. Yeah, I was talking to Eddie after Monday or after Tuesday. I guess we were talking to the offense. And I said, that was like talking to a bunch of zombies, right? I mean, everybody, they were all saying the right things, but all like expression and emotion was gone. And it's kind of the same things carried over through the fans. It just feels like this somber tone of oh okay i guess this is it again we're back to being whatever this is back to being just hoping we win a big 12 championship there's only one bubba moses if there if there could (laughs) just be a bubba moses now they need one that's why i feel like you know driving home after the game saturday night i we were listening to the i was listening to the uh, wrap-up show with you and uh, jd carrie and 
you know, it almost feels like there just isn't that fear of being embarrassed anymore. There's, there's like, I feel like in the early 2000s, you think about those great Stoops teams, there was like a fear of being embarrassed. And it's happened so often in the last four or five years that I don't, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like there is that, that fear of, of uh, going out and disappointing Bob as much as there is uh, just going out and almost going through the motions. I don't know if that's the best way to put it. It's a, it's a different, like, it's a different time. And I think, I, I'd hate to say that OU's got off track, but, and Josh, you know this, I mean, all the stuff that people used to complain about, and I find this funny. I mean, it's so ironic, and I think he even mentioned something on the board about it, because uh, someone was saying, we need, basically, Schmitty needs to focus on players getting stronger and more powerful, and it used to be just the opposite. It used to be, remember, what was it Sooner 55 that was always banging the drum about uh, Schmitty's out of touch with today's training age. It needs to be more about agility and and quickness flexibility. and yeah, and flexibility and all he cares about is making guys big and strong. And so now it's switched completely back the other way. Just like Mike Stoops was the savior when he came in here. And now we have to get rid of him. And Brent Venables was the problem when he was here. And now we kill to have Brent Venables back. It's just like, good God, the flip-flopping is at an all time high. I mean, the only thing that people aren't flip-flopping on is that Tim Kish is the fall guy for, for a lot of people. Scram- it always has been scrambling for excuses, yeah. basically. I do, well, and Tim Kish has three inside linebackers that are playing pretty good football. Like I, I don't think any of them are stars, but they're playing okay. They're, they're you know, yeah, they're so, not the problem. Yeah, they're not. yeah, yeah. That, that's the least of OU's issues on defense right now. Yeah, I mean, Stoops came in, and I remember in ninety nine two thousand, his main mantra was no excuses, and it almost feels like that has. At some point over the last 17 years, that's dissipated. It's not there anymore. There are lots of excuses. Even Monday, Bob Stoops says he's not going to let young guys talk to the media anymore. Like that, that feels like an excuse to me. That feels like he's throwing something out there as a problem to, to somehow justify part of the, the reason they lost so big, which is ridiculous. Well, let's, I, I want to talk about some of what we talked with the players and coaches with this week. Uh, and just to refresh your memory, I think Josh is having a hard time hearing this stuff. Uh, so I might kind of over-explain it just a little bit. Uh, but you heard Mike Stoops unleash the S-bomb earlier. Here's Bob Stoops right after the game when I asked him about uh, leadership and uh, if it was if he wanted to admit now that it basically was sorely lacking. Bob, how much of that is just losing some of the leadership now that you look back at it? I mean, it's fair to say uh, the leadership, you know, isn't, isn't close to what it was a year ago, and that's on me, you know. That I've, I've, I'm in front of the program. I got to do a better job, and and I've got to do a better job developing players to be that. And I think it's it's kind of sparked a discussion too. And right there, you hear Bob. I mean, that's that's you don't often hear Bob come back and admit something uh, when he has fought hard to basically dismiss your questions. And we asked him about that a lot in the spring. Mm-hmm. Because, like, we'd be out there at practice at the end of it, and it was so just, like, whisper quiet compared to what we were used to being around practice. You didn't hear anybody yelling. Uh, you didn't see anybody getting after anybody on the field. And I could just tell, like, this is this looks like an issue. 
where do you where do you get your leadership from though? I mean, you can't just go up to Stephen Parker and it Jordan has to be Evans. Your star players, but they don't they don't strike me as guys that are just going to get in people's asses like P. Ryan's like not. Stryker no. was Jordan like Evans Stryker not. would or yeah. like Charles Tapper would, and even Charles Tapper. I mean, you saw him kind of evolve into a guy that became a a vocal guy. But uh, when do you? How do you take that next step? How do you how do you create that when you don't have something like that? And I think that Baker is a type of guy that does that. But I think that he also is a guy that he jokes around and cuts up so much that you know he's free, kind of a, I don't know, free free flowing would be the best way to put it. But he's such a lighthearted guy that I don't think that when he when he busts somebody's ass, I think it's a little bit different when a guy like Eric Stryker did a year ago. I guess is the best way to put it. And you can't be something you're not. I mean, we've all been in locker rooms. We've seen probably seen guys try to be leaders, and you just look at them, and they'll start yelling. You say, no, I'm not listening to that guy. I mean, you can't. You, ha you have to be in you. It has to be the right guy to step up and do it. And I, I don't know who that would be for the Oklahoma team. I guess if Jordan Evans maybe had that in him, but it still doesn't feel natural to a guy like that. I don't know who the guy would be. Well, I think one of the bigger problems is Guys may not be, I mean, like Samaj P. Ryan, no matter how well he plays, he's never going to be a vocal guy. He's yeah. just, that's just not, I don't, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Samaj P. Ryan doesn't watch football. Mm. Uh, he he doesn't like talking about football. He's really good at playing football. He's like one of the weirdest dudes. Like, he knows he was blessed. And he spent, I don't know if he likes playing football. Or if he's just playing football because he's really good at it and he knows, you know, he's going to have a future playing fair. NFL. It's a fair. I mean, I could see him being one of those guys that, you know, he gets hurt in the NFL, plays a few years, and then just says, you know what, this is not for me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go hunting and fishing. He'd be very happy doing something else. Yeah, I don't think football. It definitely doesn't define him. But I, I just don't think he's ever going to be that guy that's. He hasn't been that guy that dreams of growing up in a locker room and loves yeah. the camaraderie of, of guys. I mean, everybody describes him as just kind of strange. Like Ricky Williams minus all the weed? Yeah, yeah. Just with bows and arrows instead. Yeah. And, you know, maybe maybe he does, but he's never given that indication that... And it's probably because we we don't really know who Samaj P. Ryan is. I mean, we've talked to him before, but... I think he's a really nice guy. I mean, when he was at Big 12 Media Days... He was open and honest. Yeah. But it's because he had to be. He just doesn't care about talking to you about football. He doesn't want to talk about football. And I that's probably I don't I don't want to say he's he's definitely not the reason they're one and two. No, but, but I'm just saying, you know it's that it's that era or that kind of that atmosphere in the locker room I think that plays a part of it. Yeah. But here's the thing like Alabama, I'm sure they have guys that aren't vocal leaders, but once you've worked so hard and you become a guy that's making all the plays, people look to you. You take some ownership yeah. over that. They have guys that are capable. I think Mark Andrews is capable. Yeah. I think Dede Westbrook is capable. Uh, Orlando. Orlando. Orlando Brown, kind of. I mean, you hear stuff about him being Not kind yet. of a knucklehead. And, Not yet. I mean, just doing stupid stuff in practice, like getting in too many fights mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, so I think that hurts him, but... You know, Jonathan Alvarez is a quiet guy for as big as he is. I just I just don't think they have enough guys making enough plays to where people can look up to someone and say, okay, I need to do it like that guy. I need to be like him. He's doing this. I need to follow his lead. Well, I, I think it also probably hurts, especially in the offensive line room. You don't have that Gabe Eichard, Ty Darlington guy anymore that 
that guy that is a i'm not saying that they're not very smart but i am saying that you don't have that guy that is very very smart and will speak up for everybody and that if you don't know what you're doing you can just look at him instantly and and you'll know what you're doing and some of that leadership isn't showing up just on the field i mean sterling shepherd's not out there making catches and double coverage anymore he's not out there making great catches on the sideline for third down on third downs that baker mayfield can trust anymore there there there's not zach sanchez forcing throws to come jordan thomas's way that he can turn the ball over back to the offense there's just there aren't guys, I think you hit the nail on the head earlier, when there's not guys out there making plays. Who's out there making a play? It's just not happening on the field. There's been uh, quite a discussion, and I'll tell you where I lean after this, but I, I want to play you uh, Stephen Parker and Baker Mayfield who were posed questions this week about does this team have enough talent? Do you feel that way? I mean, do you feel like we you have the, the talent? Ta- the talent is there. Uh, offensively, defensively. On all sides, on both sides of the ball, the talent is there. It's really just about us executing and basically doing what we were capable of doing. So talent's there. Talent's there. I mean, we're if you look at the stats, we're averaging more yards per play than we did all of last year, uh, and we played some good teams so far. And so that, that's that's very promising. Um, I mean, Houston, we averaged 15, 11 yards per play. That's uh, that's pretty good. And right now, our our full average is seven yards uh, throughout three games, and we've played. Uh, I mean, two really good teams. And so the the talent's there, and it's promising what we're capable of. It's just, like I said, the little things. If we can put it all together, um, uh, look out. Look, and and I'm going to say this, Josh, I'll direct this to you. Um, Nobody can say the talent's not there. They can't be honest. The coaches can't be honest because if they say we don't have enough talent, then it's basically ripping their own players who they've, rec- they've been responsible for recruiting. And the players, you're just never going to hear them say that. I mean, they, they believe in themselves. They're at this level for a reason. I do think that talent is lacking. I mean, talent's obviously lacking, especially there's there's not enough pass rushers in this program. It's obvious there's not enough corners in this program, cover guys in this program. Um, there's not enough receivers in this program. It was shocking when I uh, read your story yesterday, Kerry, that OU is 77th in the country right now in sacks. That's that's something that I did not think. I mean, there's a lot of things that we didn't think was was going to uh, turn out like it has through the first three games. But uh, not being able to get after the quarterback is something that I thought that they were going to maybe be able to do a little bit this year, especially with the defensive tackles that they were bringing back. Charles Walker's been virtually non-existent. Uh, Matt Romar yeah, has, been. has been good, but he, you know, he obviously didn't play hurt. against Ohio State. Uh, Jordan Wade is just, you know, Mike Soup said it yesterday. He's a really good player, but he just gets the job done. He's not doing anything just overly great. By the way, Mike did say yesterday that that uh, Romar wouldn't be back to practice this week at all. So it sounds like it's more than just nicked up. Yeah, it. I was just say I also think Baker's selectively choosing some stats here. I mean, to say that they're averaging more yards per play than they did at any time a year ago is, well, technically true because they're averaging 6.9 yards per play. They averaged 7.9 against Louisiana Monroe alone, and a lot of those averages come from they have seven plays of 30 yards or more just from Joe Mixon and Mark Andrews. And Joe Mixon got less than 10 carries against Ohio State. So your guys that are giving you the yards, if you're not feeding them the ball, maybe that's part of the reason why your offense isn't moving the way it has. And D.D. Westbrook's averaging like seven yards a catch. He was supposed to be a downfield threat. It's just, you can say that you're close and that you're almost there, but it feels almost like it's a little misleading. I don't think they're as close as they think they are. You cannot get stats passed 
Joe Duvall. Jeez, oh man, this is a he's a he's a guy now. What what's the most disappointing aspect? I guess would be the best way to put it. Has it been the offense? Because for me, as bad I think the as the defense, defense against Ohio State is the worst thing that's yeah. the, the the worst travesty of the season so far. Just the way that they got beat up. I mean, it seemed like every other four play there was a guy getting... Four touchdowns for the Brown guy. I mean, yeah. four touchdowns, fourth and one. What was that, a 36-yard touchdown yeah. run? Yeah. And the Brown touchdown that was the most egregious on OU's end was, was Jordan, Jordan Thomas. Thomas. So, I, I don't know what you do there. I, I do know what you do if you say, I don't know, I don't know how we're going to uh, defend teams that try to make Will Johnson an outside linebacker. Well, you listed him as an outside linebacker. By know? the way, uh, glad you brought that up because I asked Mike Stoops this week about Parrish Cobb. Uh, and his potential still going forward. And Mike Stoops basically turned the subject to Will Johnson and how he screwed things up. Mike Parrish, obviously a guy that's very talented. You know, for you to put him in those situations, how much better can he get? He can get a lot better. I mean, he's he's just scratching the surface. And we got a lot of players like that. And, and like I said, I, I think our biggest... More concern to me is, is somewhat our inexperience at linebacker. And it showed the other night in a, in a game. And... And, uh, you know, I've put Will in some tough situations and, you know, our inexperience at Sam has is, is, is played a factor in that. And that's, you know, that's my fault that, you know, we don't have a guy that we can play big. We needed to play big the other day and we didn't. And that's not, that's not their fault. That's, you know, our fault. So, you know, they put us in, they put him in a situation where he had, again, he had to play an outside linebacker and we should have had foresight in that and, and played, played a different way. And I said this this morning uh, on my radio show. I really think, and, and people are going to freak out when they hear that, and they're going to blame. They're going to say, "Well, that's your damn fault. You should have been ready. Why weren't you ready?" I think they got lulled into a false sense of security because they held Houston to 80 rushing yards, and they thought, "Oh, well, that's lineup. You know, it's able to do that against Houston against the same offense." I just don't think that they thought that they needed to do that coming into this game, which is a huge mistake. It's a. I mean, Mike just admitted it it's right It's pretty there. much a gamble that they took that they lost very, very badly. But how, how, does, how does that happen? What? How, do, how, do you not, how do you not have guys on the outside ready? I mean, well, they, how do you not at least try Capri Doucette in that situation? Exactly. Ricky, Ricky DeBerry has 50 pounds on Will Johnson, and he plays outside linebacker. Yeah. I mean, you have people that he acted like he had nobody there to put in. You chose to use the 50-pound lighter guy. Yeah, that was your decision. You got guys that weigh more and are bigger. That was Mike Stoops' call. It's almost like they, they see these guys every day, obviously, in practice. They see them screw up during practice, and then... And then their trust is just gone from them. And they can't put them out there on Saturdays because they haven't seen it in practice. Well, you know, my argument against that would be, you know, it's obviously not working one way. You might as well try something else. And I don't know, is that just them being stubborn? Or is it being just that they don't, they truly don't think that they have anybody that they can put out there and they're putting the best guy out there? That's the perfect point, Eddie, to me. Is the yeah? I understand if you feel like in everything that you want to do, Will Johnson's a better player than Ricky DeBerry. Okay, on the whole, maybe that's correct. But with the way Ohio State was attacking you, you needed more size on the edge. Like that's not even, you know, I don't even know how that fell into question. I don't. Why wouldn't you run him out there when it was clear that what you were doing wasn't working? They were just. You know, and I know it's a term that, that OU fans love, but they were out leveraging Oklahoma to the side every time, and especially 
when you're talking about guys that are shooting inside. That first touchdown, Will Johnson comes diving inside, and instead of and it just lets Curtis Samuel run to the outside. And a guy with his speed, that should have been point A. Whatever else you do, funnel him back to the middle. Like keep him inside at all costs. And Oklahoma just gave him the edge, and he he was going to outrun anybody. I don't care if Ahmad Thomas and Stephen Parker had five steps; they're not going to catch that guy. Well, and the other thing is, you know, Parrish Cobb has got to – look, I think he's probably the guy moving forward still, uh, unless they see something out of Micaiah quick. But as long as you're having that problem at the corner – somebody was asking me the other day about, well, you know, Alabama, uh, they, they throw some underneath coverage in there to help out you know, when they're getting burnt. That's a wrinkle. That's not a base defense. Like, that's kind of like – you blitz. You don't blitz Ahmad Thomas every time. You blitz him every once in a while. He he got a sack the other night. You if you don't have a defense with two cover corners, not even for the Big Twelve. You got to have three in the Big Twelve. If you don't have two cover corners and your defense, you've lost before you've even started. Yeah, especially if you can't get to the quarterback. There's no scheme that's going to allow you to cover up for a guy. That can't cover a receiver, a, a, a another team. You have to have you have to have two guys that can cover the best receiver on the other team, or you're in trouble. I, I think part of the frustration from Oklahoma fans is the tradition of Mike Stoops in the second tenure at OU has been that he can stop one thing, but not the other. You know, you stop the pass against West Virginia, then Tavon Austin runs for 300 yards against you. You stop the run, then you have one of the worst pass defenses in the country. And in this game, it appeared they weren't geared up to stop anything. And against Houston, they at least stopped the quarterback run game and uh, basically contained Catalan in the regular running game. But in this game, Ohio State ran over Oklahoma. Noah Brown had four touchdowns when he didn't have more than two in a game, two catches, period, in a game, I think, before that night. So they were beat through the air and on the ground, and I think that really just makes Oklahoma, Oklahoma fans angry. You know what's crazy? I mean, every time that Tavon Austin game comes up. Just how bad he sucks in the NFL now? No. Is that OU won that game? Yeah, yeah, fifty to forty nine. And it's like it gets talked about like it's the worst thing that's ever happened to OU football. They won the game. Is that is that a uh, Landry Jones six, and, t- six touchdowns? And now uh, the imprisoned Devin Thomas also committed to Oklahoma that day. Was it really? Yeah. Wow. That you remember that? Night. that? Yeah, that wow. night. Is he in prison now? I believe he is. I believe he is. Tw- like twelve yeah. years. Or something? Uh, I think he got ten, maybe. Is that is that the the top guy of man? What happened to him? I when you saw him as a sophomore and think about where he is now, is that the guy of just what happened to him? His life absolutely went downhill after uh, fumbling against Tulsa Union. Broken Arrow had the state championship within their grasp. He fumbles. Union picks it up, runs it in, ends up winning the game in the fourth quarter. And I don't know. That was that was that was a bad. Uh, uh, the start of the downturn, I guess, would be the best way to put it. Devin, you saw it, Devin you Thomas, saw it in high school. Yeah, like you could watch, like his junior year. We saw, he well, I was mean, nowhere near the player he was as a sophomore. Oh, I know. Yeah, I mean, he was our sophomore of the year. Yeah. I mean, we went. I remember we all. I think we all three went down there and watched it. And who was the? There was a running back starting in front of him. Was it Cameron something? Cameron Wren. Oh, Cameron Wren. Yeah. He's a good player. Uh, and he was a really nice player. But then, as the season went along, you're like, "Oh, he's no, he's no, Devin Thomas." Yeah. But I will say this, Devin Thomas, because of him, I will never have a problem if Kel Gundy gets fired. Because 
Josh, our own Josh McQuistian had sent Kale Gundy a message one time after he saw him behaving like a brat after a game when he was. I'm gonna get blocked for this even coming up. Was this still? You might. That's fine. You you should be able to live with it. <laughs> uh, I don't think he would block you. I think he needs you <laughs> more more than he would admit. But. But Josh just sent a message saying, "Hey, you know, I saw some really bad behavior. I don't, you know, you guys might want to pay attention to to something with this kid." And Kale Gundy told Josh to mind his own business. Good call, Josh. Yeah, it, it, and Joe. Funny enough, it was that it was, and wow, we kind of come full circle. It was a Norman North game. It was like the basically the weekend before OU offered Jordan Evans. What did like he do? Did he just like throw off game. all of his gear and throw a hissy and wouldn't wouldn't <laughs> What wouldn't be around the team or something? Broken Arrow was trying to drive and tie the game. I think it was state quarters or is maybe that when Jordan semis. Evans ran the kickoff back? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And yep. semis, Evans just had a huge night, and um, and of course for Broken Arrow, Jossie Akim had a huge night. But I don't want to go into that love affair right now. Um, is he playing at all? He's playing a little really. bit. I don't, I don't know. I don't understand it. But anyway, to to, to not totally divert. Um, and he was just kind of walking along the sidelines. Broken Arrow has the ball. Coleman Key is trying to get Broken Arrow down the field. And he wasn't going to be part of the first group because, I mean, they've got to go like 80 yards in about a minute 12. And so he comes off, throws his helmet down, starts taking his shoulder pads off. Like he's not even like I'm not going back in at all, period. And just is apart from the team and walks away from everything. And – if you asked anybody at Broken Arrow in that a- that era, they'd say, "Oh no, he's a good kid, man. He just he made some dumb stuff, you know." And you're like, "Everything is telling me that's not true. Like everything is telling me this kid's got a problem." And then you see it, and now you look where it is. And I mean, that's certainly not say, so, "Oh, I knew all along," but it's just you can't ignore stuff like that. And like I said, I mean, it was something. I just kind of was like, "Hey, here's a heads up. You know, that I saw this tonight. I know because." Yeah, I can't remember. It was another situation where OU was on a road trip. I knew there was no way they were there, you know, that kind of thing. And so I had just sent out a little note, and it, it wasn't well received. I don't know how else to say that. <laughs> hey, at least you didn't have to tell him like, hey, Devin Thomas robbed the concession stand at <laughs> halftime tonight. Well, I just I couldn't confirm that report. <laughs> I'd heard, but okay. Well, we're uh, we're overtime. Um, I think you know this being a bye week. Uh, we'll come back and do a podcast again next week. I think we're probably done talking to anyone this week as far as OU goes. I don't know. Maybe I'll find something out today. Maybe Bob will talk to us. I don't know. We haven't heard that. But uh, Monday, it'll all start back up again. And uh, you guys know who's up next, right? TCU's my problem. It's uh, Gary Patterson and TCU. It's going to be a very, very interesting next two weeks Baylor's to see how... God, I love problem. you. I love you, Gary Patterson. That was the best quote answer. of Big 12 media days. That's a great answer. It's going to be interesting, though, just to see how everything goes over these next two weeks. Because, I, you know, the, the reality of Oklahoma being one in four, do I really think that could happen? Uh, maybe. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. But I say that questioning myself. So I, I don't know. It's going to be – I'm excited for the next two weeks after this bye week. What, I, uh, what, what do you guys think is going to happen this weekend with Baylor and Oklahoma State? Josh, you go first. 
I'll probably take Oklahoma State. I think everybody kind of got crazy with that Central Michigan game, and I, you know, I guess I understand. People have fallen asleep. Like Baylor is the exact thing that I hate about the rankings. Like I don't hate the preseason rankings. I hate that if you keep winning, you just move up. Like arbitrarily, it doesn't matter what you did. They've looked wildly mediocre against SMU and Rice, and yet they keep climbing the polls because other teams lose. Like I, I don't care. Like, I don't hold it against a team if they lose to a good team. Like, if you put Ole Miss and Baylor on the same field, I'd take Ole Miss by two touchdowns. They went not 28 like, over Rice. What was it 38 Yeah, 38-10. They were at, like, I think it was 21-14 with SMU or, like, 17-10 or something like that. With SMU down there, like, four-yard line, and they threw an interception, the game kind of came apart for SMU. But SMU should not be on the field at all with a top-15 team. And so I like Oklahoma State. I think they'll go up and down the field, and I I just think they'll find a few more stops. I think Baylor's bad, bad, bad on defense. Mason Rudolph was really bad in their first two games. He's been, I mean, outside he, of he the Southeast finally, of the game. He finally got it figured out against Pitt. I don't know if it was competition level that straightened him up, but I mean, James Washington had what three hundred yards almost receiving, mm-hmm. what three touchdowns in that game, something like that. I mean, he was Big Twelve Offensive Player of the Week. He got a lot of national awards last week, too. Or was it national? Well, he was Big 12 Offensive Player League, but I know he was okay. on some national list that I got. I, I don't know. I, I don't understand. But their run game stinks still. Oh, They got nothing. And that's where, terrible. That's where Baylor's defense is the weakest, is that you can run all over Baylor. I mean, Rice ran for 230 or something against Baylor. But they actually, I think they only threw for like 30 yards. But I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how you can have any confidence one way or the other with this game. With the way Mason Rudolph played against Central Michigan and how Oklahoma State played and ended that game, how do you have – and then Baylor, I, their, their offense has looked – their stats have put – almost like very OUS and that they put up some numbers, they've, they've looked okay, but the points haven't shown up. So I, I don't know if that's Art Bryles or what. I'm going to go with Baylor just because it has nothing to do with what I've seen on the field so far. I just think that we all want Baylor to suck because of all the horrible things that happened there. And we, we, I think, is the perception of Baylor is that we've all pronounced that that program is done. But really, all they lost was one recruiting class that's not going to affect them until next year and the year after that. They still are pretty much Baylor, except that you know they have one really good receiver right now, Katie Cannon. And maybe a little bit more tone deaf. They're very tone deaf, yeah. Art Browse is a great man, Eddie. Just ask anybody. <sighs> Never done anything Baylor. wrong in his life. Yeah. Jason King, he'll confirm. I don't want. I don't want to get in that war. He's a loser. <laughs> I'm already going to have a call from Kale Gundy, as it is probably. <laughs> well, I mean, if Jason King calls you, you just forward it to me. Jason and I'll, King I'll talk like to him. attacked me on Twitter about Joe Mixon just because I said, "Dude, why don't you step back?" You know, just. Because we knew Jason King worked for Yahoo Sports as the basketball. I would see him in Kansas City every year. I thought he was normal. <laughs> and we quickly found out that he was not. I mean, wow. I didn't realize he was a Baylor alum, but he is, yeah, he's out there. Well, he's still talking about it. Like, uh, you, oh, he was you almost with get it if Snow. it's to you, Kerry, because yeah. it's no you thing. But he's talking about it on Twitter to the, the Lindsey Snell girl that, uh, that was – at the press conference thing last year, like how nobody asked tough questions to Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon doesn't talk to anybody. Like, I don't know how you're supposed to ask those questions. 
Yeah, Joe Mixon has lawyers that don't want him to talk. That oh, exactly. you can't let him talk because of his lawyers, and they're trying to work through that, but they haven't to this point. So, the one thing the about- only reason he talked at the Orange Bowl is because they were going to get fined if he didn't. They told their they that was the only time they told their lawyers shove you know shove it. We've got to do this. We're not paying the fine. <laughs> so anyway, gosh, yeah, but uh, I don't I don't want to get. The one thing I don't understand about the Baylor-Oklahoma State game this weekend, I'm trying to look up the line right now. Baylor opened at like a 10.5 point favorite. Did they? And it got bet down a little bit. I think it's at like nine, nine and a half. I've been told. I don't really don't pay attention that much <laughs> to that kind of stuff. But, uh, it'll be interesting. I wouldn't touch the game. I think it's supposed to rain down in Waco. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's supposed to be really bad weather, and usually I go with the home team when that happens, even though that would go Last time completely they were there, against it. It was raining is when they pulled uh, Mason Rudolph out of red shirt, yeah. and he played really, really played well. Played really rain. good. Yeah. They just didn't have it enough. I guess the last two times that it's rained down in Waco with Oklahoma teams, Baylor won and then OU won last year. But OSU definitely has the better offense. It's just, is that Mason Rudolph, the best version of Mason Rudolph, going to show up? Yeah. And... Is Baylor's defense maybe better than we're giving it credit for? Because they still have a lot of athletes on that side of the football. Is that the only interesting Big 12 game this weekend, I guess? I guess TCU plays Friday night. If Oklahoma fans want to watch them, they played in Dallas against SMU. Uh, Their schedule sucks. Yeah, really bad. They got that break from playing Minnesota, but they they just went right back to playing rum-dums. Yeah, I think it's, for the most part, I mean... Really, it's not a good. I mean, they did play Arkansas, so I guess I'm. Well, but yeah, it's the envy of Baylor schedule. Look, yeah. Arkansas is a better program than Minnesota was, and they're better as a team right now than Minnesota was. They lost that game though. I'll definitely be cheering for Florida on Saturday. I like watching Tennessee B- suffer. BYU uh, West Virginia. There's a game. I would expect Florida would really take down Tennessee hard. It's in Knoxville. Knoxville's given, or Tennessee's given six and a half. It'll yeah, be. Yeah, it was in the swamp last year, wasn't it? That'll be really awesome. Yeah, because they had the they the had comeback, the, yeah. the fourth and fourteen. Tennessee will have the athletes. They should they should win that game by twenty points. Wisconsin, That's Michigan fun, State, I guess, have good big national implications. Georgia, Mississippi, will be all right. Okay, uh, we got to wrap this thing up. That'll do it for this podcast. I want to remind everybody, uh, go over to iTunes. Uh, give us a rating over there. We noticed some more people did that since our last show. Really appreciate you doing that. Uh, helps us out just kind of with our our own personal egos of being ranked uh, if, you, uh, if you continue to give the updates. Not based on this show, obviously, because it wasn't very good. But, uh, yeah, go over there and uh, check it out. Give us a review. Tell us what you think of the show. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, also, uh, don't forget, we'll have plenty of stuff coming uh, over the bye week weekend. I'm just going to be at home kind of working on stuff, so I'll get some more stories out, things like that. Uh, we got lots of video to get to you. Some you've already seen on the, on the uh, message boards as well. Uh, but I'll be around to try and play psychologist for some of you guys. I know I've been trying to get to the, the questions on the board as much as I could. I did kind of check out, I'll admit it, on Sunday after going to bed at like 5 a.m., Kind of slogged my way through that Sunday. Uh, but no, uh, thanks to Josh McQuistian, who is uh, back home in his studio. Uh, here from our studio, Eddie Radosevich, Joe Duvall. I'm Kerry Murdoch, and we'll see you next time on another edition of the Unofficial 40.